the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Congress to include $10 billion in military aid for Taiwan in a new defense bill. Clearly, um, our Pentagon is not prepared at this moment to protect American interests. An Oregon judge holds gun control laws from taking effect. The whole purpose of it is to ban the sale of guns, and I can prove it with this particular law now. Home sales expected to decline for the first time in a decade. Housing activity is poised to fall further and and has a fair amount of room to fall. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, December 8th. I'm Mike Scott. As part of this year's defense bill, Congress is looking to expand the U.S.'s assistance to Taiwan in order to thwart any potential invasion from China. U.S. lawmakers could be set to offer billions of dollars in military aid to Taiwan, according to a senior Bloomberg reporter. On Wednesday, Roxana Tyrone tweeted that up to 10 billion U.S. dollars of the United States military budget may go towards aiding Taiwan's national defense. This aid would be part of the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act and is meant to bolster Taiwan's ability to defend itself against China. The official amount could be revealed later this week. In the text of the National Defense Authorization Act of the $847 billion in national defense, $10 billion is earmarked to go to Taipei over the next five years. The act also includes a measure that would allow the president to fast-track military aid to Taiwan in a manner similar to how the U.S. has sent aid to Ukraine. Support for the measure has been met with bipartisan approval, showing the sense of urgency on Capitol Hill to support the island nation in the face of potential military aggression from the Chinese Communist Party. Bruce Einhorn of Bloomberg News says that while the promise of military aid stems from an agreement in 2010, China will undoubtedly be unhappy with the U.S. setting aside aid for Taiwan. Technically speaking, this is uh, part of a deal that was announced in 2010. Uh, It involves uh, about $800 million worth of uh, uh, missiles and other other equipment. Um, uh, The U.S. has uh, provided Patriot missiles to Taiwan in the past. Uh, These would be the most advanced versions, uh, more advanced than the ones that Taiwan already has. Um, uh, What happens next is there's a 30-day period where Congress um, can review this. Uh, um, uh, We have not yet heard from a reaction from China, but assuredly China will not be happy about this. They were extremely angry back in 2010 when the U.S. first announced this deal um, and suspended some military, military to military talks back then. Um, uh, we'll uh, have to see how they respond this time. 
Ellie Ratner is the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Indo-Pacific Security Affairs and explains why support of Taiwan is of strategic importance to the U.S. As you know, Taiwan is located at a, at a critical node within the first island chain, anchoring a network of U.S. allies and partners that is critical to the region's security and critical to the defense of vital U.S. interests in the Indo-Pacific. Geographically, Taiwan is also situated alongside major trade lanes that provide sea lines of communication for much of the world's commerce and energy shipping. It is in part for these strategic reasons that this administration, like those before it, has affirmed our commitment to our One China policy as guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint USPRC communiques, and the six assurances. Ratner emphasizes why the island nation's democratic values are vital to the world economy. Taiwan is also integral, as you know, to the regional and global economy. Its free market economy embraces innovation, entrepreneurship, and private sector-led growth, which has helped Taiwan become a valuable economic and trade partner for the United States. Moreover, Taiwan is a beacon of democratic values and ideals. In stark contrast to deepening authoritarianism and oppression in the PRC, Taiwan has proven the possibilities of an alternative path to that of the Chinese Communist Party. Unfortunately, although the PRC publicly advocates for peaceful unification with Taiwan, leaders in Beijing have never renounced the use of military aggression. In fact, the PLA is likely preparing for a contingency to unify Taiwan with the PRC by force, while simultaneously attempting to deter, delay, or deny third-party intervention on Taiwan's behalf. Ratner goes on to say that a simple way to deter China is to bolster Taiwan's ability to defend itself. The PRC threat to Taiwan, however, is not limited to invasion or blockade. The PLA is conducting a broader coercive campaign in the air and maritime domains around Taiwan. These operations are destabilizing, intentionally provocative, and increase the likelihood of miscalculation. Nevertheless, although the PLA's actions are real and dangerous, and PLA modernization is unlikely to abate, the PRC can still be deterred through a combination of Taiwan's own defenses its partnership with the United States, and growing support from like-minded democracies. Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China, believes that the Pentagon's time frame for an invasion of Taiwan is a bit off. The Pentagon is stuck in this time frame that says, if we go to war with China, it will not be before 2027, probably will be in the middle of next decade. And that is the consistent line that we have heard up until Wednesday, when one admiral speaking unofficially, said, no, it could be as early as this year. Admiral Gilday is right about that. The question is, will the admiral get the Navy in shape fast enough? Because the Navy is a broken institution, as is the Air Force. And clearly, um, our Pentagon is not prepared at this moment to protect American interests, American friends and allies. All the equipment damaged in the shootings of two Duke Energy substations in North Carolina is now fixed, according to the company, which expects to restore all power by tonight. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker brings us up to speed on the efforts to turn the lights back on. 
In a statement on its website, Duke Energy says more county customers will gradually get power back throughout the day. More than 45,000 customers were without power over the weekend. Authorities have said the outages began Saturday night after one or more people drove up to the substations, breached the gates and opened fire on them. Police have not released a motive, but the Moore County Sheriff says whoever was responsible knew exactly what they were doing to cause the outage that they did. The FBI has posted a notice seeking information. I'm Julie Walker. On Wednesday, a state court judge, Robert Rascio, put a hold on Oregon's upcoming gun control law before it was scheduled to take effect. Measure 114 is a really strict form of gun control that will vastly change the way that guns are bought and sold in Oregon. Since it narrowly passed in this election, several lawsuits have been filed, including another one just today by the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Here's a recap of what would change if the law does take effect. Anyone, any people who want to buy a gun will have to get a permit first. Those will be issued by local law enforcement. But the process to do that is still unclear, and state police they will put that together. So the steps to getting a permit include completing a gun safety class that meets certain requirements and then submitting to a federal criminal background check, which does include getting your fingerprints taken. Those permits could cost up to 65 bucks and would be good for five years. If you are denied a permit, there is an appeal process. But you're, uh, if you're approved for a permit, there is no limit on the number of guns you can buy. These permits would not be required to own a gun only to purchase one, meaning Current legal gun owners do not need a permit unless they want to buy another gun. Okay, Measure 114 also bans the sale, transfer, and manufacture of ammunition magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. With the exception of people being those who already own these magazines, they can keep them and use them in specific locations, like your private property or shooting ranges. New high-capacity magazines just cannot be made or sold. The judge said Measure 114 would violate Oregonians' constitutional rights by writing that the measure was a deprivation of fundamental constitutional rights for any period and constitutes irreparable harm. When the measure was passed, a Second Amendment organization filed suit to challenge it. Amy Patrick with Oregon Hunters says that if the measure is allowed to take effect, gun purchases would cease until a permit system is put in place. We're looking at the the end of firearm sales in Oregon until this system is put into place. And that also means that Oregonians cannot go out of state to purchase firearms either. We're basically being held hostage by 114 because firearms dealers have to um, respect the laws of a person's home state. They cannot sell to you if it's going to be illegal in your state. Patrick says that, in her opinion, the measure is disconnected from any understanding of firearm safety. What it seeks to do is establish a permit-to-purchase system. Um, That in itself is inherently um, cumbersome. They also want to add a live fire component to courses. Um, And again, that's not something that is um, exceptionally commonplace for firearm safety, just because of the logistics of uh, getting a range and getting range time and things like that so that you can safely hold a a live fire training. And it also presents a a little bit of an odd um, chicken and the egg situation. So they're asking you to show proficiency with your firearm by being able to fire it. 
However, if you don't have a firearm and you are trying to get a permit to purchase a firearm, you've got this weird, you know, cycle of I don't have a firearm and so therefore I can't show proficiency and I can't get a permit to purchase a firearm. There's a, a very real disconnect between the proponents and their understanding of firearms, firearm safety, and firearms ownership. Colin Noir is an American gun rights activist, lawyer, and host of the web series Noir. He says that ultimately, the measure will be used to try and ban guns. And that is something that we have been saying in the gun community for the longest, is the idea that you think you're safe because your guns are not very intimidating It's only a matter of time before these laws start to affect you because the goal is to get rid of firearms. That's it. Stop thinking that stop thinking that these people simply want reasonable gun laws that they think actually will work. That's not true. The whole purpose of it is to ban the sale of guns. And I can prove it with this particular law now. Noir says that he is skeptical of the government's ability to efficiently handle gun permit applications. And the police have to implement a system in order to handle that process. So, is that system in place right now? No, it's not. They don't even have a system in place. But the cops are like, oh, don't worry, you can submit manually. Anybody want to take a guess how long that's going to take in order to get an application request submitted manually? Does anybody here honestly trust the efficiency of the government? Have you been to a post office lately? Noir explains why he is so adamantly against anti-Second Amendment measures. And the reason why they're forcing it, and the reason why they want to force it, is because they can delay, 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 delay your ability to buy a gun. And that is the reason why I am so anti-gun control. Because inevitably what it ends up doing is it ends up putting your two-way rights in the hands of the government. So now these people in Oregon will have to wait on the police to come up with a system that they weren't even prepared to come up with In order for them to simply buy a gun, this isn't a license to carry. This isn't being able to buy a machine gun. This isn't uh, the ability to get some type of NFA item. This is simply to get a permit to buy a gun. The U.S. Supreme Court is hearing arguments today over whether state courts have the power to strike down congressional districts drawn by state legislatures. Daybreak Insider's Donna Water has more on the legal arguments before the high court. Republicans from North Carolina are bringing the case to the high court, arguing that the Constitution allows state lawmakers to have virtually total control over the times, places, and manner of congressional elections, including redistricting. The North Carolina State Supreme Court struck down districts drawn by Republicans who control the legislature because they heavily favored Republicans. North Carolina is among six states in recent years in which state courts have ruled that overly partisan redistricting for Congress violated their state constitutions. Donna Water, Washington. According to reports from the real estate company Redfin, home sales are expected to decline in the U.S. for the first time in a decade in 2023. However, Redfin doesn't believe a foreclosure wave is coming despite the dip in home sales and prices. Jim Egan, Morgan Stanley's U.S. housing strategist, explains why he believes home sales numbers will get worse in 2023. 
pending home sales, existing home sales, housing starts that we do think are poised to get worse in the year ahead. When we talk about our housing view, we characterize it as a bifurcated view where housing activity, so sales and starts, is poised to fall further and and has a fair amount of room to fall, whereas home prices, we think, are a lot more protected here. It doesn't mean that year-over-year home price growth stays positive, but it does mean that it stays a lot more protected than the drops we see in housing activity. Egan goes on to say that affordability for first-time homebuyers is about to take a big hit. When we think about affordability, and some of the inputs there are going to be prices, mortgage rates, as you're mentioning, incomes, affordability has deteriorated more over the past 12 months than any 12-month period that we really have on record. And we have confidence in that data back to the mid-1980s. But if we think about the follow-up question there, it's whose affordability just deteriorated? Current homeowners, in our view, an overwhelming majority of them have 30-year fixed-rate mortgages. Most of them were allowed to, were able to purchase their home or refinance their mortgage in 2020, 2021, when rates were a whole lot lower. We think their affordability is in a very good place. That affordability deterioration is for first-time homebuyers, mm-hmm. prospective homebuyers mm-hmm. who are going to have trouble stepping into this market. If we think about what that means for existing homeowners, they're just going to be a lot less likely to list their home for sale. Moving becomes prohibitively expensive. Yes. With all the potential bad news that may be on the horizon for housing, Egan says there are some bright spots in lending and home prices. And if you think about how that flows through to sales, if I'm not listing my home for sale, then I'm also not buying a home after I sell that home. Mm -hmm. So that kind of exacerbates the drop. We have sales falling to their lowest levels since 2013. We, if we index the affordability deterioration this time around to what we saw during the great financial crisis, sales are actually falling faster this time. And we think that that continues through the middle of next year. But on the other side of this coin, if those homes aren't being listed for sale and existing inventories are close to their lows of the past 40 years, mm-hmm. that's as far back as we're comfortable with that data. If those homes aren't being listed for sale, if they aren't being sold then home prices are a lot more protected. Months of inventory are only at about four right now, which is a pretty healthy market from that perspective. We think that the quality of mortgage underwriting has remained very robust. Lending standards have actually tightened since the beginning of COVID. So we think that the risk of distress, kind of defaults and foreclosures that exaggerate the drop Mm -hmm. in home prices, Mm -hmm. we think that's also a pretty contained this time around. Other predictions from Redfin included rent prices dropping due to supply and high mortgage rates, meaning many prospective first-time homebuyers may instead become move-up renters, upgrading from small urban apartments to a larger apartment or a single-family rental in the suburbs to fit their growing families. The Pentagon splits a $9 billion cloud contract between four computing firms. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more on how the money will be spent. Google, Oracle, Microsoft, and Amazon will now all share in the Pentagon's $9 billion contract to build its cloud computing network. The announcement comes a year after there were accusations of politicization over the previously announced contract. The joint warfighter cloud capability is expected to provide access of unclassified secret and top-secret data to military personnel all over the world. Its goal is to serve as a backbone for the Pentagon's modern war operations, which will rely heavily 
primarily on unmanned aircraft and space communication satellites, but will still need a way to quickly get the intelligence from those platforms to troops on the ground. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Scientists have discovered the oldest known DNA. Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue takes a look at the historic discovery. It reveals what life was like two million years ago in the northern tip of Greenland, study author Eska Villerslev. But this is a recovery of an entire ecosystem, right? So both plants and animals that are two million years old. Greenland today is a barren Arctic desert. Two million years ago, it was a lush landscape of trees and vegetation. Things like mastodon, which are extinct elephants, and they have never been found in Greenland or that far north before. Researchers were able to get genetic information out of small damaged bits of DNA. The DNA also showed traces of animals, including geese, hares, reindeer, and lemmings. I'm Ed Donahue. And finally, on Wednesday, Time magazine named Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and the Spirit of Ukraine as its 2022 Person of the Year. Time gives the award to an event or person deemed to have had the most influence on global events over the past 12 months. Other finalists included protesters in Iran, China's leader, Xi Jinping, and the U.S. Supreme Court. Time magazine's Simon Schuster says that the former comedian turned wartime president rose to power, promising to be an outsider. I started reporting on President Zelensky before he was president. His career before he went into politics in 2019 was as a comedian, uh, as a movie producer, an actor. He made fun of the politicians that he ended up replacing. Why do you want to be president? To change everything you bring. Zelensky came to power promising to be from outside the system, not corrupted by the, the oligarchs, the wealthy and self-serving elites. That's how he defined himself and I think one of the main reasons why his campaign was successful. And I think many people voted because they believed that the president that they saw on that TV show would be the president that Zelensky would become. Things were more complicated. Schuster says the way Zelensky has been able to use the media to get across the message of Ukrainians is unique. As a wartime leader, I think President Zelensky has surprised uh, everybody. Consistently, what his advisors have told me since the beginning of the invasion is that he lets the generals do the fighting and he focuses on what he is good at, which is communication, grabbing the attention of the world and not allowing the world to turn away, to make sure that the West, the U.S., the Europeans uh, actively support Ukraine with weapons supplies, with financial aid, with political support, uh, also inspiring uh, the, the public with speeches. Feel the silence with your music. Feel it today to tell our story. He's always online, he's always filming videos, posting videos. The way that he's been able to communicate, not only with his people, but the people around the world who are, who are watching this war, is, is unique to history. Schuster went on to explain why it was significant for Zelensky to remain in the capital. His decision to stay in Kiev throughout the invasion has been so important because it was very hard morally, politically, personally for anyone else uh, in the structure of the state ministers, government officials, to leave because the boss was there. I think if, if Zelensky had run away, it's, it's fair to say that there would be a much higher chance that the state structure of Ukraine, uh, Ukraine as, as, a, as a country, as a, as a state, as a government, would collapse. 
The Time magazine reporter says Zelensky wants to end the cycle of violence between Russia and Ukraine. He doesn't want to just have a temporary truce or an armistice that allows Russia to rearm and retrench and try again. He really wants to break the cycle so that Russia never attacks Ukraine again, so that uh, it it remains a free, independent and sovereign country. That's how he sees uh, his role in history and and what he wants to do. It's not just a kind of set of negotiations that leads to a ceasefire. It's the breaking of a historical cycle of oppression that's been going on since before he was alive. In addition to Zelensky, the women of Iran were Time's 2022 Heroes of the Year. The Time tradition began in 1927, although back then it was the Man of the Year. Other past winners have included the former dictator of Germany, Adolf Hitler, in 1938, and Russian President Vladimir Putin, who was the 2007 Person of the Year. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.